everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Watch or Not with Jay and MJ. I'm Jay. I'm MJ. MJ, why don't you tell the people what we plan on bringing to their ear holes? <laughs> well, thank you for that little introduction. But <laughs> quick overview of what we kind of hope to achieve with this podcast is we're going to be providing a one gay, one straight perspective on current releases of TV shows and kind of past shows that we both have watched that have had an influence on both of our lives. Uh, each week, we're going to be picking one show that both of us have been tuning into or watched the entirety of and give it our rating of Watch or Not. Yeah, that's basically what we're going to we're gonna do. This could be shows that are hopefully mostly to be all brand new shows to tell you, you know, is this worth binging or not? Or sometimes it could be a show that might be in season one, two, or three if you're already watching it. And hopefully we'll get some suggestions from you guys on shows that we should be watching and reviewing as well. But to start off, since you don't really know anything about us, we're kind of going to give you guys a little bit of background on some of the things, some of the TV that has kind of inspired our choices and our kind of our TV personality, if I may. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, first off, um, I'm going to ask you, MJ, uh, what is your favorite show that is no longer airing on TV right now? This might be the question I was dreading the most out of all of them. Because I feel like this first answer is literally going to have every listener judging me to my core. Oh my god, is it The Bachelor? It is. I've never watched The Bachelor. <laughs> and I honestly will probably never watch The Bachelor. But it has to be How I Met Your Mother. I have it in the background. It's kind of my busy noise. It's, it's my white noise show. I've watched it enough that I know the jokes. I know the plot of everything as we go through it. I can pick it up when I want to actually sit there and have a little bit of a laugh. And I still get a laugh out of it every single time I watch it. I don't expect much out of it. It was predictable to me. But it's still one of those shows that I tuned in. And due to my past experiences, I just love to rewatch and relive that every single time. Him and Yim is your friends. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm actually watching that right now, actually. And um, I have come across... I'm in the middle of season two. And I do... I uh, just got past the um, Robin Sparkles episode. The first Robin Sparkles episode? Yes, the first one. Okay. Let's go to the mall today. <laughs> today. Um, so I, I agree I agree with you on that one. For me, um, my favorite show that's no longer airing is so ridiculous, but um, I do not care. My favorite show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, starring Sir Michelle Gellar. Allison Hannigan, who did end up being on How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Um, that show to me was seven seasons of near perfection. There were a lot of blips in the seven years that show was on TV. But I could say I've probably watched that entire series all the way through probably eight or nine times. It has officially been off TV for 20 years. It's going on close to that. Now, that's going where, close to tweet. Yeah. I've actually never watched Buffy. That's where I know I've been recommended that a couple times from Jeremy. It might be something I have to pick up and watch. You you have to. Because it, it really... I, I actually still... It doesn't hold up. But I'm going to say it holds up. <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> the outfits don't hold up. No, they do not. Those skirts were short. Um, and some of the jokes don't hold up. But I actually still laugh and giggle at this show. Um, I actually turn a friend on to it and they're watching it and they actually either really like it or they're just trying to appease me. But is this the show that kind of set off for guys to start wearing eyeliner back in the 90s? Because I feel like Spike always had eyeliner on or something to make his eyes pop. And it was always so moody, that, that gothic emo look. I don't know if it did that. 
Uh, it may have uh, made guys pick up dusters as coats, possibly, <laughs> maybe. Um, but I think for me personally, I think it paved the way for a lot of these shows where there are female protagonists. Wrong word. Um, where there are female-led shows where the female kicks ass, in a way. I can um, definitely see how that's led to the current culture we're living in. Yeah, I think, I think it did. I think people don't give it enough credit for that. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it because I could talk about Buffy all day long. But I do think that for me personally, that show is a great mixture of action, a great show of sci-fi, a great show of fantasy and comedy and very smartly written. Okay, okay. Well, then let's go to the next one so that we can kind of table that conversation for maybe a later episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite current show you're watching, Jeremy? That's hard. Trust me, I was thinking the same thing. Because um, most of the current shows I'm watching are the ones that we're going to be reviewing for the show. Yeah, I, I would have to say my favorite current show... I don't know. I might have to actually like, scroll through my Hulu to figure that out. I don't know <laughs> what my favorite... I don't. Do you have one in mind? I'm probably going to go with... And don't hate me for this. I know it's not really a show most people have access to. Some people may not be able to afford it. But last week tonight, it's a news recap of the week with John Oliver on HBO. Um, my favorite show used to be, again, an HBO show, Game of Thrones. I'm sure most oh of the fans out there... Can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm hurting still. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just Once that show went off air, there was a huge hole that I'm still trying to fill in my life on what to watch on a weekly basis. And the only consistency I've had right now is last week tonight with John Oliver. He's just been hilarious ever since he was with The Daily Show and being a a correspondent on that to now having his own show that each season he brings some new hilarious skit or side commentary to something. And yes, it's been a little dry recently just because of the whole realization of what we're going through in the world. I still think he's doing really well coping with that, by the way. Yes. Um, all I'm going to say is rat erotica and <laughs> watch if you want. Um, okay, you know what I will say? Um, I kind of, I'm sorry, it's kind of twofold. Um, I will say, because one recently had a series finale. So I will say, um, even though, to me, a favorite show doesn't necessarily have to be one that you tune into every single week. But one that you go back to and you want to watch. Um, I will say The Magicians on Sci-Fi Network is a show to me, which is one of my favorite shows at the moment. I believe it's already seen the finale, and I haven't watched it. I know this is contradictory, but I used, I like to have it catch up so I can watch the season as a whole. I honestly forget about this show, and then when I watch it, I'm like, how did I forget about this show? But it's re- the acting is so good on it. The people in it are so good. Uh, they've had musical episodes. It's um, artistic a theme. I think every show I like has magic in it. It's very uh, much similar to Buffy and your favorite show of all time. I see how you kind of led into this. No vampires, but The Magicians is a Yet. really is a really good show. And I think it's just very well acted. It's a little weird, a little off the wall, but that is a good show. And another one that I currently watch, which is more of a guilty pleasure that is a good TV show, is 911 on Fox. 911. Is that the one where you actually. They dispatch the emergency vehicles, like the fire department. Yeah, and... But it's more about the fire department. So, like, okay. I started watching that because I love Angela Bassett. If you don't watch everything that Angela Bassett is in, you're crazy because she's. <laughs> Amazing. She still looks like she is 40 years old and she's what, 104? Probably a good estimate. Yeah. 
Um, and it's got Peter Krause from Six Feet Under fame. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt is in it. Okay. And it's just, it's really kind of off the wall. It's not a great show. The writer, it's, it's drama, mm-hmm. but like, it's almost on that Grey's Anatomy level where it's like, um, I think about Grey's Anatomy where it had, they had that episode where the bomb was in the patient. Do you remember that? From, like, season yes, one, Yes, I've three. watched Grey's Anatomy, so this little size tangent here, my wife is a diehard Grey's Anatomy fan. She is still up to current episodes, watches them weekly as they come out releasing on TV, or she can't catch them the day they release on Hulu the next day. They have done a spinoff now to where one of the characters, um, I forget his name in the actual show, I'll have to go talk to her, maybe we'll bring this up next season, is a fireman, and there is a show about his fire department that actually intertwines with Grey's Anatomy, and you have to watch both now to get the full story. Station Nineteen. There Never you go. watched it, um, <laughs> but um, but it, it but that bomb episode basically yes. that every week. Almost. Every week. There's always something really random with it. So like the um, the hospital shooting from Grey's Anatomy back in season four. I don't know. I could be exaggerating. Not every week. Okay. Um, I think like there was a tsunami because it's set in California. In LA, I believe there was a tsunami like last season, whatever. Okay. But and then this past uh, week, um, these guys took over the 911 operator station to steal art, but to steal like famous art. <laughs> um, but that's probably the show that I tune into every week that I'm really like enjoying as a guilty pleasure. I know it's not the greatest show, mm-hmm. but I watch it to see Angela Bassett give side eye to every fucking person in that whole show, basically. So. Okay. It's pretty. It's it's pretty all right. It's not great. Next question. What is your favorite reality competition show? I don't watch reality TV shows that often. A lot of mine are generally around cooking. Um, a little history of me. I do have a culinary degree, so I do like the cooking competitions. Um, I have yet to eat a dish that you have cooked, but it's fine. Keep going. You know what? If we keep this podcast, <laughs> you might be might be graced with that opportunity. Yay. Um, but no, I don't watch a lot of competition shows um, or reality shows. And I know there are people who sit here and they binge watch like The Bachelor, like you brought up earlier. No. But <laughs> this might feed into my guilty pleasure kind of thing. I, since the first season, got hooked on The Masked Singer. I'm and, a, No, I'm leaving. I'm uh, out. Jeremy, I can't, Jeremy I can't be sit down. Let me get through this little explanation. Okay, go right ahead. I love a challenge of just figuring out clues and putting them all together. And just every single week, I know it's not the same people's voices. And I've been decent at guessing the more classical, well-known people who can belt it. The Patty LaBelles of the world. I have been able to pick those out, no problem. It's the ones that get to the end um, that end up winning. Like, the first season, when they announced who was actually under the mask of the monster, my mind was blown because you had no idea this person could sing like that. The monster? Look. Was he dressed like a monster? Yeah, so each, the whole premise of the show I've seen it. I, I, I've seen it. But have you seen it? Because if you had seen it, you would probably appreciate it more. Each person puts on a, a character yeah. or costume uh-huh. that personifies their inner 
being that they want to get out. So they, oh, is that what it's supposed to be? It's supposed, yes. <laughs> okay, it's supposed okay. to represent like a part of who they are and who they want to be. Nobody wants to be dressed up like a bee. I mean, true. But so the first first season winner was dressed up as a monster. The whole entire costume was just a cylinder in blue, purple, and green fur with one eye. But oh my god, every time this person sang was amazing. And then the moment you found out who it was, my jaw dropped because you don't assume that's who that person is because you've never heard them without corrections or auto-tune or something else which they're known for. And then you're just like, and in my opinion, holy shit, that guy can sing. Spoil me. Wait, was it Tyler Cruz? No. It was uh, Tigger. No, it was T.I. No, no, I don't know who it was. It was T-Pain. Oh. And T-Pain has a soulful just voice that he can belt it out that you're just like, that T-Pain? What? That It's fine that you watch that. I will tell you why I don't watch it. Because I hate Jenny McCarthy. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because she is legit going on 65 years old and she is still acting like she's 23. And dressing your, like she's 23. Your days are over. And what really made me hate her, honestly, this is a really weird moment, but when the Golden Globes were, were happening and she was mm-hmm. uh, interviewing people on the, go- on the uh, red carpet and she interviewed Christina Applegate of Married with Children fame, of Dead to Me fame on Netflix, she was nominated for Dead to Me um, at the Golden Globes. And she was also nominated previously for her first show, um, damn it, it escapes me, Samantha Who. Yes. And um, as a commentator on a red carpet, I don't do this, but do your research. She's like, she's basically fawning all over Christina Applegate. Christina Applegate's looking at her like she's an annoying 12-year-old, and she's acting like one. And she's like, how do you feel about your first nomination? And Christina Applegate's like, um, I've been nominated before. Thanks. She asked that on the red carpet? Oh, yeah. And Christina Applegate is visibly annoyed, and I would be too. So for me, that to me, I was like, you obviously didn't know research before you got on this stepped on this red carpet and you're only here because of the mass singer and that's popular right now so isn't she on the view who jenny mccarthy she's on a talk show during the day as well not the view i don't think she's on something never the view i don't know maybe she is I'm not sure but she's the pop culture that's her claim to fame on the mass singer she's the pop culture i'm sorry look singled um, out was 30 years ago get over yourself so <laughs> that's part of the reason i watch it but i have seen episodes i don't want to watch it i'm not going to watch it it sounds like i'm watching it i'm not watching it because yeah. of her but i do like nicole scherzinger i do like um i don't like that one guy ken john oh i hate him did you ever watch community yes but i hated him um what? And, and um who's the other dude robin thick yes is it just four judges four judges on every episode they occasionally have a guest judge the most common one is joe McHale. i just don't like those people so but and they have had Team T Pain come back and be a guest judge on one of the episodes recently. That's fun. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with that. Um, I would have to say, for me, my my favorite reality competition is probably. I don't think I have a favorite. I think I just watch all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watch all of them. It's competition, not reality. But I watch Big Brother annoyingly, which I don't love. But I watch it. That is classified um, as reality TV. Though. Yeah, I know, but I'm annoyed by it. I don't know why I watch it. Um. I do always tune into Project Runway. I don't know why. Uh, I have been watching Making the Cut with uh, Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum. I'm pretty sure she acts like that's that out yet now. The time. Yeah, on Amazon Prime. Okay. I'm not loving it, but I'm okay with it. Did you watch? And it kind of side of here. Did you start picking up or watching with um, Tan from Queer Eye? The, Tried. You 
How many far did you get into it? Like two episodes. Okay, I'm like four episodes in, so I can't really... Okay, fair enough. Um, but I guess I have to say the one that... This is gonna be this is gonna be very telling and very like stupid, but honestly, I have really turned. The three that I consistently tune into are RuPaul's Drag Race, Top Chef, and Project Runway, and none of those match <laughs> or make sense. So I tune into those. Those are my three that I consistently watch all the time. I will give you RuPaul's. RuPaul's makes me laugh every single week. It's good. Top Chef, yes. There have been some right. seasons where it's been okay. But it was cool. But I will say it's probably my favorite because I did, because it's the one that I did go when they were in, when they did Top Chef Kentucky last year. I went to Lexington and was actually in one of the filming episodes, which was really cool because they did a whole Rupp Arena, uh, University of Kentucky uh, thing or competition. Mm-hmm. And I got to go to that and seeing the whole thing be made, getting to like meet Padma. Um, now, didn't you tell me about this last year that they, because they're trying to hand out the food to people, they threw chicken into the yes, state? Yes, only the certain people, people. Only certain people got to taste the food. So one of the people made like chicken and waffles. Some made ribs. They were throwing ribs and okay. chicken into the audience after the show had been filmed. Craziness! It was just really cool seeing all of that. So I think the Top Chef I had is my favorite because, because. Just I only got to meet Padma. All the other ones were surrounded by other fans as well. Mm-hmm. But she seemed so cool, so down to earth. She was really nice, and um, I think that's what made me really like it a lot more. Obviously, RuPaul's Drag Race is a little bit more accessible yes. as far as like being able to see those people, being able to interact with those contestants on that show. But um, I think I just really like top chef because it's something that i feel like i could do and i'm like i feel like i would love to be able to do that okay um and it's not an immediate return because you can't taste that food you can only see it so i don't know what i get out of it but i like it and you said your third was project runway yeah which okay. and, that, and that's slowly I'm, I'm still watching it but that's slowly falling down i think but what the project, what project runway opinion, needs yes. is to be able to include their male audience as well because that's one that's thing. That's where the stretch I've seen to find is I cannot connect to it because yes, I like fashion and I like clothes and oh. I like being you know looking at that, but th- there's some disconnect with me and that show. And they had people this last season that made menswear looks, but making oh. the cut. A lot of those designers are making a menswear and a female version of a lot of their clothing. You and and then the good thing with making the cut is that. The look that wins, they make a runway look and an accessible look. The accessible look that wins gets sold on Amazon. Well, here's the thing. And just in the day and age we're living in, I would almost want to see, and I'm shocked no one has done a gender-fluid look where it could be male or female, runway or traditional. Some of them are doing that on making a cut. On making a cut, they are. Okay. That's where I'm kind. Of, that's why I'm sticking with that one because they're. It, it's kind of. It's. I'm used to. I'm used to being on Project Runway and understanding that, and mm-hmm. now I'm like. So I don't love the format of making the cut, but it makes more sense because there was actually an outfit last week that they did, and I was like, if that was accessible, if that look won, I would buy that look. And it was a jacket that won, some girl's jacket. It was only $109 on Amazon, which We can it. make an entire episode about Jeremy's jacket <laughs> session. We'll table that. I hate winter, and I have like four billion jackets because I don't like to like be cold. But it's not shocking he liked jackets. But they had that. It was only $109. So I'm like, and it, so it's... Accessible. A hundred hundred dollars is how much I would spend for a jacket, you know. So depending that's on how warm kind of, it keeps me. 
Right, but hundred dollars is a, it's a nice because okay. I, I looked, I was like, this jacket's probably three, four hundred dollars on Amazon. No, I think the price one hundred nine ninety nine just shocked me. I was like, really? So what do you mean accessible? They mean accessible. Like okay. you should be able if you obviously if you're not like you know you should this should be available to the masses, which is what I like about it. Okay. So, but now you kind of get an opportunity of of, of of our personalities. MJ loves a comedy. And I love anything that has to do with um, a magic wand or, like, sorcery or vampires, basically. If there's not a vampire in it, I'm not going to watch it. But that's kind of the good thing about this show is that hopefully when you guys give us some ideas of what to watch, it could, you know, expand our palettes. I like the wording. That's a cook reference. There we go. Cooking reference. You're welcome for that. Well done. Um, So... And like Jeremy said, since you kind of got to know our background, kind of a little few things about us and what we like in shows, let's kind of go into what our first episode is going to be about. Our first episode we've actually watched, and we want to review and kind of let you all know whether to watch or not up to this point. So the show that we picked for the first episode, and hopefully it's one that people have access to. I mean, it's on Hulu, it's on normal TV, TV on NBC. It is a very common channel you can get access to. It's on Sunday night, so it's a little bit of a stretch if people want to stay up. But that show we're going to review is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, I love this show. It's so good. Sorry, already giving it away. No, go ahead. But uh, this show, like, um, I heard about it actually listening to um, the podcast on Cricket Media. It's called um, Keep It, who has uh, Ira Madison third. uh Aida, don't remember her, Aida Osman and um, Louis Vertel, who was actually on Jeopardy. Ooh. Really big winner. Uh, but they have a show, Crooked Media, it's called Keep It, and they actually talked to Skylar Austin, or Aston. Aston. Um, who was on um, the movie Pitch Perfect. Yes. Um, and he was talking about this show, and I was like, what is this show you're talking about? And I randomly seen it on um, a commercial uh, on it on Hulu. Um, and I was like, Sure, I'll give it a whirl. But the the synopsis of this show. What well, and before we go, Jeremy, are you going to be getting into spoilers? I don't know if we are in our future discussion of this. Do you want to preface now? If you are listening, we probably are going to have some spoilers, possibly in this discussion. Hopefully, what we'll do is we're only going to kind of discuss what's happening in the first one, two, maybe three episodes of a show. Because I feel like you need to get at least two to three episodes in to decide, is this good? Is yes. this worth it? So to me, we will probably spoil a little bit of the first two to three episodes. Mm-hmm. That should, If we say it's a watchable show, you should definitely go back and watch those episodes. Because we obviously can't talk about every single moment. We may, but I still think it's worth <laughs> If we it. get to Buffy one day, we may. We, we will talk about every single episode in length, in depth. Um... <laughs> We will talk about, we will go through a commentary, we will play the episode, probably. No, I'm kidding. Um, but here is kind of like the um, tagline for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Um, after an unusual event, whip-smart computer coder Zoe Clark magically begins to hear people's innermost wants and desires through popular songs. Suddenly, strangers, friends, co-workers, and family are unknowingly singing their feelings just to her. At first... Zoe questions her own sanity, but after some guidance from Mo, her musically attuned neighbor, 
and making a breakthrough with her ailing father, Zoe soon realizes this unwanted curse may just be an amazing and wonderful gift as she now connects the world like never before. Sounds like a Disney film. It does sound like a Disney Aww. film. Well, first off, uh, this show stars some really amazing people. Um, Jane Levy is the main um, star. She pays Zoe. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't really have a lot of credits to her name. Um, Suburgatory was a show for like 10 years ago she was in. Um, we said earlier it stars also Skylar Aston, who is from uh, Pitch Perfect fame. Um, He's had a couple TV sitcoms. I know now we're super long, maybe like a season or two run, mm-hmm. but he has had his foot or like a little bit of time on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about her friend Mo, who is Ale- who is played by Alex Newell, who was in the later seasons of Glee, I believe. Yes. Um, uh, Alex Newell is a cisgender. Tri- I have to. I don't want to get it wrong. So let me look it up. I was gonna say very f- gender fluid. That's that's how I'm gonna describe. Yes, yes. Noah's um, her gender fluid friend. Yes, where could be one day, most days in the show, female is how they define. Um, but some days could be more myth, masculine, more male. But you said you looked it up. Real quick. Yes. Um, Alex Newell identifies himself as a cisgender, gender non-conforming gay man. There you go. Who gives me life in this entire show? Like uh, amazing voice, amazing lines, just comedic timing out the yes. ass lover um him and then when you get past those three you get to the you get to mary steenburgen academy award and golden globe winner mary steenburgen and peter gallagher of oc fame um been around a really really long time he was in one of my favorite standard book movies while you were sleeping have you seen that um i have uh he had like four lines. He he was he was the eye candy in the show. Now, however, in here is where I might differ from you. My favorite character that I picked up on from the very beginning has to be the one portrayed by John Clarence Stewart. Zoe's Who's co-worker. Clarence? Who's Clarence? <laughs> oh my gosh! It is Simon. Oh that's yes, his name? Okay. his name in the show is Simon. He is Zoe's. Co-worker and possible love interest. We'll we'll let you kind of decide and go into more detail later on in the series. But from the first song he sang, oh my gosh. There has been so many different songs that have been sung. But his, I mean, no other way to describe it. And I may have said this earlier. Soulful rendition of Sad People. Sorry, Sad Sad World. (laughs) No, no, it's, I I, I agree with you there. And, And not to, we cannot forget about Lauren Graham. Okay. Of uh, Gilmore Girls. I never watched Gilmore Girls. Sadly, I have multiple um, times. With the Yo Play yogurt. Yeah. No, it's not bad. I, I've heard about it, but um, she's in it as well, playing Zoe's boss, and she's actually, I love her character too. Well, and I love the fact that they have pulled people in who you would not. Being a song that, or being a show that is based off of music. And having a theme around specific songs or specific song types every episode, mm-hmm. you would assume the cast would be people, obviously, that could sing. Right. But pulling in people who are known for actors and playing roles that are more mm-hmm. acting-based than lyrical-based, but still having the ability to carry a tune, Yeah. it played... I love the fact that they pull people like that or people that may not have had a lot of airtime before, like the one who plays Simon. 
Um, the fact that, I mean, the only thing I really know him from is Luke Cage on Netflix. He's a ringer because he can sing. Yes. But Jane Levy. Hmm. Yeah. Lauren Graham. Meh. Yeah, but uh, obviously Alex and Skyler, yeah. yes, they can sing. Mm-hmm. Al- oh, Alex Noel, like, that voice is so... It's just, it's honestly pitch perfect. Ah, no, okay. Um, no, it was, it's really, 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 really good. Like, it's just so... Alex Newell's voice is one of the first voices you hear singing in this show, and it's just amazing. Just blew me away. I actually didn't even realize that I had a song of his in my Apple favorites playlist. Really? Didn't even realize that was his song until like I just it just really clicked to me. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's the same person. Huh. And um I forgot what the song was called. But it's in my playlist. I was like, I didn't realize this was the same individual. We're going to look kind of like what happened in, in, in episode one. First off, she's a coder. Can we talk about her in place of employment? She works at a place called Spark Point. I wanna work there. Just because of the atmosphere that they have. Oh my have. gosh. They had a cereal bar. A cereal bar. Well, what starts out as a cereal bar. It changes, doesn't it? It's a running joke throughout the whole series. I like it. But, yes, the, if you've ever seen the comparison of, like, what you think a coding environment would be, like of Apple, where it's very white walls or kind of, like, streamlined, mm-hmm. modern look, this is very much a Google where it's, relaxation pods you have the ability to sit there and some of the seats you can work in are actual swings hanging from the ceiling this place of employment is awesome it's architectural no walls all the desks are like not in lines like they're all randomly placed in different mm-hmm. areas um i don't like those those little pods are weird they have chairs that you can literally sit in curl up in like almost in like fetal position and close the door and sit in there i don't know why you would ever want that chair you Why would, would you not? You would never. Wa- you would never want. I'm sorry. You would never want that chair. But just to block yourself off from the rest of the world and just to be like, huh. It's creepy. But the rest of the joint, I'm in love with. So the way this show starts is she actually our main character Zoe is interviewing for a major position, a major position that Lauren Graham's character. I forgot her real name in the show. She um said that everybody had to apply for. Mm-hmm. She didn't just say, hey, apply if you want. Everyone had to interview for this manager position. Joan, by the way. Joan, and she is intimidating. She's scary. I don't know if I could have went through this interview the way Zoe... Actually, Zoe didn't do very well in it either, but... Well, who could sitting in a cardboard chair? Yeah. Have you noticed her chairs are cardboard? I didn't notice that. No. I had no idea. Most uncom- But yes, Zoe, who seems to be kind of a introvert who doesn't want to put herself out there or have any confrontation is then forced into the spotlight in front of her manager to apply for a job she kind of wants from the way they lead into Mm -hmm. it but speaking from someone who likes to be at home and kind of watching television which is kind of why we're doing this podcast that's nerve-wracking oh super nerve-wracking she was just like what about you makes you different and she's like um I don't know. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a lot, like it's the hard questions. And Joan is also like doing other things during this. Like she's, she's sending an email. She's ordering a cappuccino. She's yes. flagging down a dude from across the hall. Like she's doing all this stuff during this interview. So even that's intimidating as well. But like what's also weird about this show, not really weird, but weird about Zoe is like, you will notice that every outfit she wears is a sweater with a collar. 
a sweater, and a collar. And everything. Did you notice that? Yes. Everything. Well, and a pair of pants. She has not worn a skirt, to my knowledge. She wore a dress later in the season. Okay. Actually, in the first, um, the first dance sequence, she wore a dress. Okay. Yeah. This leads to like, basically, a little bit of background as well on Zoe's family, not just her job, but like right now, her dad has this neurological order. Her dad, neurological disorder. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, her dad is played by Peter Gallagher. He um, has lost basically all motor functions. So he basically sits on the couch and, like, grunts. He can blink. He can move his arms. He can grunt. There's very few things he can do. Very few things he can do. So she's dealing... This is very new for the family. Uh, it's Zoe. Her mom is actually Mary Steenburgen caring for the father. And she's got a brother as well. Mm-hmm. And they're dealing with that whole situation. So... Um, when Zoe goes over there, she's like, I kind of have a headache. I'm kind of dealing with a lot of stuff at work. And her mom's like, you should get an MRI. This stuff with your dad came along so suddenly. You should definitely go check it out just to make sure it's nothing. Mm-hmm. So during the MRI. That's where during the MRI, she actually is going through a playlist, is having things to try to relax her, chosen by the tech. And he ends up choosing this is the end of the world as we know it. Oh and Song's like, but an earthquake happens mm-hmm. during the actual MRI. And somehow all music, every playlist known to man, gets downloaded or imprinted onto Zoe's brain. Mm-hmm. Which then gives her her powers. I use air quotes. You all can't <laughs> see this. I talk with my hands. I'm going to keep doing this. I'll have to explain. Powers. Mm-hmm. To hear, as she describes them, people's heart songs, which are how they're truly feeling, mm-hmm. maybe the difficulties they're facing in their life, and she will continue to hear said heart songs until she helps those people deal with their issues. Which I think was really clever of the writers. Um, by the way, this is like the one of the only dresses she wore. She was wearing a dress, a denim jacket, and some like Keds, I don't know, whatever those basic white shoes are that people wear. Sure. Um, and she's walking down the street, and... The people on the street start singing the song Help by the Beatles. Yes. And everyone starts to sing it. It actually is kind of funny at first, and then it gets creepy because she's running down the street, and there's mobs chasing her, singing Help by the Beatles at her. So I thought that that was clever that they used. I didn't realize it until I rewatched that that was, um, that it could have been like a little foreshadowing because mm-hmm. she doesn't realize she needs to help these people, but that first song is. It's saying, help, I need somebody help. You have got to help these people when they sing to you, when they let you know what's going on with them. Um, but it's kind of a funny moment because she's just, she's walking down the street and this lady's singing and she's like, did you just sing something? And the lady's like, what are you talking about? And then the lady just goes on singing, just keeps walking. So it's it, it's pretty cute and pretty funny at that. Um, with people dancing at you, not like for you, they're like dancing at you. I mean, aggressively literally. gesturing towards you to please help me. Yeah, she gets on the. She gets on the. Um, it's set in San Francisco. Yes. She gets on one of the little trolleys, and this lady's holding a baby. It just turns to her. It just starts singing, and people are looking at her, just singing directly at her, and she's running down the street <laughs> away from this mob, <laughs> singing this song to her because she has no idea what's going on. To me, I'd probably be scared out of my mind when that happened but like she's the first person she goes to is mo i believe yes because she knows mo has 
such a knowledge or almost an encyclopedia in her head of music and kind of how that is supposed to translate to feelings and communication. Because, as we said, Zoe is a coder who has lived her life in literally specific little boxes and lines that Ones and zeros. Exactly, that all can be explained, where music has just such a wide variety right. of explanation or, or ways you're supposed to interpret it. She has no idea how to delve into that or even some of the songs she's listening to. Right, and, and Mo, to be fair, is not more, is not a friend. Her and Zoe do not start off as friends. Mo, I believe, is the building manager yes. from where she lives, and Mo is always singing something. So when she talks to Mo about this, Mo is basically like, I don't know what you're doing in here, white girl. Get out of here. Like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't want to hear about what's happening with your life. Let's not talk about it. She does confide in Mo, and I think that's because Mo is kind of outside of the situation. She doesn't really know mm-hmm. Mo. She can explain it to her because Mo knows nothing about her and not sound like a crazy person. But also during this whole situation, the stress is always under. They're dealing with an, an app that they made at their... Um, it's the Apple. It's not an Apple Watch, but the it Spark is a SparkPoint watch. watch. Yes. And there's a thing. There's a issue with it. So they're dealing with that at work as well. So that's part of the reason why she thought she had a headache and why she wouldn't get the MRI and why she has to work late. Joan, their boss, came in and said, "Hey, we're working late until we free this out." So while she's working late, she hears Simon, who is her crush. He's new, singing "Sad World" just out of nowhere. And what I tell you that is, it is. The one of these sad world is already no, not sad world, it's mad world. Mad world, um, saddest song ever already. But when you slow it down even more and give it to him, like acting it out and just the look on his face is even more heartbreaking. And you, you get to see her kind of reacting to it and seeing it happen in real time. And then to see him, like, after a song, be like, hey, and she's like, hello. You know, just to break out of that, it's so, so heartbreaking because she has no idea what's happening or why. Yes. Um, and that's what leads her into kind of seeking out Mo's help to figure out why are certain people's songs becoming louder to her? Why is she picking up on certain feelings? Mm-hmm. What is What is this supposed to be meaning for her? Which, this is when Mo kind of steps into the role of keeping track, and they'll go to this later in the series, keeping track of the rules of her powers. What does it mean? How do you help mm-hmm. figure things out? Mo keeps a running tally of all of these rules. And like we said, he's singing this extremely sad song, so they just go with it and say, well, maybe he has something that's on his mind. Maybe people who are always the happiest and seem to be enjoying life the most right, yeah. have something deeper or darker they're not showing to people. You need to help figure this out, mm. which leads her to dive into her first heart song and helping the person figure out what's going on with the world. Right. So her and Simon, which I this is the one thing I thought that was a little weird about the show, is that she talked to him about it, or she approaches him and talks about the song that he's saying, and they went out for coffee or cheesecake or hot dogs or a corn dog or I don't know, cheesecake. whatever. Who gets cheesecake on the street? Whatever. But he he opens up very quickly, which I find to be very weird if people open up that quickly. However, she did lead with the fact that my dad is having issues, neurological... Neurological disorders. He's got head issues. And um, she did lead with that. So I guess that kind of spoke to him in a way and allows him to open up. 
quicker. So I have a hard time, like, that's the one part where I'm like, really, you don't know her from, like, Adam. But if you can sit there and have the same wavelength and understanding, that's where you find out later in the episode he is engaged and he's been having issues dealing with something that happened in his life that he can't address with his fiance. But if you have somebody who's very similar and has the same... Pain. Thank you. That you're experiencing, it makes it easier to open up and explain right. because they can understand. Yeah, so that's where Zoe gives him the advice to talk to his fiance and give her, give his fiance some background, let her know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of annoying because they lead Simon to believe like she obviously has a crush on Simon. She even told her mom, "I've got a crush on this guy. I find out he's engaged. He's got a fiance, but we were really starting to connect." Um, and Simon's kind of cute. Oh, I go, yes. I go, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, "Oh, he's cute." Sometimes I'm like. Why is he making that face? Um, but um, but uh, that they do kind of um, really start to like connect in that way. Sorry, horrible segue. The dudes in Zoe's like the only girl in this whole coder section of yes. her job. Sorry, this is like a backtrack. But she's the only girl, and the guys she works with are dicks. They're horrible. They're assholes. She does work with Skylar Aston, who is her best friend named Max. He also works in that same department, but those guys are dicks, and I'm gonna explain why. Because Leaf, the white guy, um, also applied or didn't. I read apply, but he thinks he's gonna get the manager position promotion, and he starts singing, "All I do is win, 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 no matter what." Well, and it is the whitest version of that song I've ever seen, and that to me was like. It's almost too cheesy for words, and maybe it's supposed to be funny because it's super duper white, but I was like, really with this dude and these dance moves? I'm not all about it, but it's fine. But let me preface with the reason why Jeremy says that these employees are dicks as well. Yes, that's what his inner thoughts are, but his face he presents to Zoe is the, oh my god, I can't believe it, you're going to get this job, I hope you get it, and just being so positive and reassuring, and then he's just so manipulative underneath that all yeah. he cares about is himself and progressing in his job. Very true, very true, very true. Also, is what leads to Zoe's stress, is that she's starting to figure out these people and how they feel about her, and how they think that just because she's a girl, and Joan, their boss, is a woman that she's going to get this position because it's like girl power or whatever which sorry dudes but like deal with it deal with your own insecurities those guys continue to be dicks throughout the rest of the show but the rest of the show does end um on which is i think what solidified me on watching the show to be honest is at the very end when she's had this hard day she's dealing with a lot of stuff oh max max by the way here's one thing here's what i like about skylar aston there are dudes that you know that you can tell are muscular, have really great physiques, and you can tell it just by looking at them. Skylar Aston was a shocker to me, like episode four, five, six, I don't know. And he just randomly shot, came out of nowhere, and what was weird about it was Mo was there to say exactly what I was thinking. Yes. And to be like, uh, Zoe, look at this man with this shirt off. Like, well, just, when Zoe walks in in an episode and just like, oh, hello. You, you had no idea during, after, while she's at work and she's talking to Max about everything, Max actually sings a heart song as well to her. And which one is it? I think I love you. 
Yeah. He sings like maybe 10 seconds of it. And he sings it and she's like, oh my God. He's like, what? Why are you looking like that? And he walks away. So the episode starts to end with her best friend kind of saying, I think I love you. So she's dealing with all of that. She's dealing with the MRIs, dealing with her dad, dealing with this, this interview she had, dealing with these assholes at work. And she goes home to her dad, who is, she's obviously a daddy's girl. And she's like, I just wish that you could give me advice or tell me what to do. And he's just sitting on the couch, obviously, because he's got head issues and not doing anything. And then all of a sudden he starts singing to her, which, oh my God. I must preface, have tissues available. If you are not the type of person who cries, I'm not the one who tears up very often. I cry. They can hug and I cry. I teared up during I I literally am happy I watched this about my wife because my wife watched this about me the first time she bawled. I don't cry. I had little tears tearing up in the bottom of my eyes. Mm-hmm. This first episode hits you in the feels. And he sings true colors to her and he oh he dan- he does a little dance with her and everything like that. Like it was just and then to just showcase the acting cuz he's sing- he's singing this song and he dances with his daughter and hugs her and gives her reassurance. And then just sits back down on the couch and goes back to being like just this void of nothing is like just such such just upper class acting. I can't like talk about Peter Gallagher enough and how well he did that scene. That is one of the things that takes me back questions like how does he so good at going from like he said almost like void of nothing like but being able to stare at you versus full on dance number in two seconds. And, have, and I get it. there's editing, there's transitions, but just the fact that he's able to go to that place where he just can be on the couch yeah. is extraordinary. Lively, and then just that. That's part of the reasons why I really loved the first season of Westworld, because they were robots, but they were able to just kind of go back and forth between being a living human being and then being just, like, emotionless, which is really, really cool. I mean, further in the show, obviously, hilarity ensues. Yes. Um... But also more episodes that make you kind of want to... The, the first episode, I, I think, took a little bit more of an emotional route toward the end. And then it's kind of fun and fancy free for a few episodes. And then it starts to really get deep. Um, they have an episode that's all um, focused on Mo, which is a really, mm-hmm. really good episode, I think. Um, they have an episode that's focused about uh, focused on Simon and his fiance, an episode focused on Max. So I think that it really kind of, like, encompasses everybody, Um in the show and does a very, very good job of doing it. Honestly, with the way we've been talking about this show, we're obviously going to say it's it, you should watch it. It is the first season of this show. I think there's 12, 12 episodes that are going to be released. They have released nine. There's still three more slotted to be released later into May, I believe, is the last episode. Well, I, I'm going to say that this show is... That this, you should watch this show, obviously. <laughs> as we've been... Yes, as you said, as we've talked about this, you can tell that both of us are enthusiastic about it we really like this show so i as well definitely watch this the first episode if it doesn't catch you give it two to three more because it just gets better with every single episode and it just it goes back to the roots of classic tv where you get cliffhangers and i mean there's one episode two two episodes ago i think it's where it was where literally it had a cliffhanger and i'm on my couch and i just literally go are you shitting me? 
Because I'm so used to, like, Netflix nowadays. I just want to watch the next mm-hmm. one. But it keeps you hooked, and you want to come back. And I just, I wait for that show to come out every single week. I do, too. It's so amazing. It just has this beautiful heart with it, to be honest. Um, it's just got a perspective, I think. And it's just, it's not just one of those shows where it's, like, a glee or really just putting music in to be, you know, for it to be, like, oh, let's do a musical show. Mm-hmm. You know, every, I think every song... They didn't go too far with trying to, like, write all the songs, which can be clever, because um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend did that. They wrote all original songs for everything, which was kind of funny and great. But I think using contemporary songs is a good way of conveying the messages that are in this show. Yes, there are times when you want to yell at Zoe and be like, girl, what the fuck? Um, you want to yell at a lot of the characters. You want to be like, what are you doing? You want to be like, why can't you just do this? And you want to do that. But I think that that, to me where it can come through as annoying, it means to me I'm invested because if I'm yelling at this character to do something or to do this or do that, obviously I care about what's happening in the realm of this world of what's going on. I cannot stress enough how I did not know much about Skylar Aston and I am on fucking board. Well, and to kind of build off that. Can I get a ticket to that ship? <laughs> Ride the obliques. Dude. That was the part that set it off. The Bro, little obliques. Like, it was too much for me. But to build off what Jeremy just went with, and just the plots that these writers have built and are portraying with this show are also just so relatable in today's age, especially if you are a little bit older and in the workforce and trying to find your way and who you are. All of this just kind of resonates with the generation that's in the world currently Mm -hmm. it's just so easy to get engrossed in and go with and like he said just be rooting for or just screaming at the character on the screen Mm -hmm. because oh my god and honestly some of the shows i've watched in the past are predictable i don't know how this one's going to end up going because i mean there's a couple episodes that are later on the series where i'm just like wait they're having that happen now. I thought that was gonna be like a, a season three plot twist. Yeah. No, it's like episode eight of the season. Yeah, that's the and, and the other good thing about it is just the underlying message is you never know what's going on mm-hmm. with someone behind the face that they put on, which is to me is a really really good message to know. I'm not saying look, some people are dicks and you can be dicks back to them because that's what they're doing. Regardless of what kind of pain they have behind those eyes behind that, you ain't had to be a dick to be able to be a dick back. But remember that not it's a reminder that not everything is on the surface level they actually do an episode about one of the one of her dickish co-workers yes. and why he's such a dick and what's going on with him and when she finally sees that it's kind of like oh i kind of understand why he's the way he is or why they're the way they are i think that that's the main message is you never know what's going on behind those walls that people put up so um to me, I think this is a definite watch. I think we have to hope that it gets a second season because it is a first season show. I don't watch a lot of stuff on NBC, but I am totally loving these characters and I really want to see where the show goes in the future. I do too, and that's where, like we've said, there's still three more slow shows that are slotted to be playing the rest of the year. So probably in a future episode, once those three have played, we're going to go back through and give you our final verdict and make sure it is a for sure watch mm-hmm. or not once the entire season is out. Right. But for now, watch it. Yes. Um, so, MJ, why don't you tell them what we're what show we're going to reveal or what show we're going to review next week? 
So next week, and this is what we're trying to keep keep up to date. I would never watch this show normally. <laughs> no, but and normally would I. We are going to be trying to sample different shows from TV, Hulu, streaming services like Netflix and Disney Plus, and other things that we can. So we're going to be taking a Netflix show next week, and it is going to be the reality TV show competition show of Too Hot to Handle. I'm already cringing. I'm out. <laughs> I don't like any shows like this. This is so stupid. This is basically, to me, just listening to the title reminds me of like MTV with uh, X or Not. No. What was it called? How or Not. No. Um, How or Not was a show. Whatever. I was like, this is your, you know, specialty. Again, I don't watch X on the Beach. Was it called X on the Beach? I don't know. This is the real world. This, this feels like it should be MTV show, but I think it's along the lines of The Circle, which I did not watch. I have um, watched The Circle, and... How dare you? But, um, but I will say, it, it, and we'll get into this a lot more, it seems like Netflix might be trying to do a little bit of reality oh, shows. They're trying. They're definitely trying, because I think even... Um, and it's like almost like they knew the pandemic was coming. There's a lot of stuff releasing right now, so, you know, whatever. They had it all in their back pocket. But, they were waiting. It's just oh, all getting released now, just to make sure we have something to watch. They're for sure on board with it. But that'll be the show that we're looking at next week. So, thank you guys for tuning in to our very, very first episode. We're super, super excited to give you guys, you know, some insights to the shows. And like we said, please, please, please give us some recommendations of shows you think we should watch. Mm-hmm. If you're the show you're not sure if you should look at or spend your time on, let us know. We'll watch it for you. You can email us at watchornotpodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at watchornotpod. And our Twitter is watchornotpodcast underscore pod so you can get in touch with us on any of those socials also if you think there's a segment you'd like to hear from us we will definitely be incorporating those as well we want this to be a podcast about you guys so really really give us any kind of ideas we are very very open um so we appreciate you guys tuning in i'm jay and i'm MJ. thanks again you guys uh just so you know our theme music is by bradley parsons he is amazing did a great job so hopefully you guys like that as well so we'll see you guys next week Bye. Bye.